0: Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Not only is Dave Orison an awesome dude, but he has eight sons. Yeah, no kidding. That's a fun fact about Dave Orison. Eight sons, and they all start with the letter J, their name. I don't know which is more impressive. Honestly, you know, and not even one is Jesus. That's the most amazing part, right? (laughs) Um, Hey, before we do anything today, before we jump into a message of any sorts, we're going to stop for just a moment. We're going to pray for what's happening in the Ukraine. And so actually the way that I would love to do this this morning is rather than just me pray something, uh, can we as the church come along and pray together? So this is what, how I'd like to do this. If we can just kind of get into groups of uh, how, whoever's around you or whatever you're comfortable with. If you're kind of more, hey, I'm just solo for the moment, that's totally fine. Um, just let's, let's circle up in small groups. We're going to give uh, the first couple minutes of this message time, uh, just lifting up prayers for the Ukraine. Ukraine. I don't know, I don't know how this kind of all lands on you but Katie and I were just talking uh, over this week as things developed and I'm like man I just I wish there was something that I could trust that I was seeing you know I don't know do you feel that way too we're like okay what what is coming at me what's real what's not what's not what's motivated by an agenda what's not uh, but at the end of the day um, there are there are lives being lost there are there are people who are fleeing their nation there are people who are uh, under the fear and threat of bombing uh, just constantly at this point and and that's not the kingdom of God is it And so regardless of whatever kind of your news source wants to uh, inform you about this situation, I just know that's not the kingdom of God that's unfolding in the Ukraine right now. And so we are going to pray, God, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done, uh, not just in Loveland, in this church building where it's all very comfy and cozy this morning, maybe a little chilly, if we're honest, Um, but that's about all we have to deal with. You know what I'm saying? And so let's pray uh, just for people's safety, for war to cease, for the church to be strengthened, and for people to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior throughout this chaos. Can we do that? So circle up, and we're just going to take a few minutes and pray. we just ask that this would be just a moment that uh, marks our week, God, but would we be immersed and steeped in prayer uh, for your peace to flood the earth? God, we ask that you would stop the, the shedding of lives, of blood. God, we ask that people would come to know you in this uh, tumultuous time, God, in the chaos, I pray that the church would rise up and be strong in the Ukraine and that there would be a, there'd be a demonstration of your love uh, felt all over that land. Um, And God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would protect people right now. We pray for peace to come. We pray for justice to come, God. And we ask that you would um, reign and rule uh, just as much there as we ask for it here, God. Um, from From the center of our being, from our hearts, God, we ask for you to reign and to rule. And God, we pray that over Uh, just the whole world, that even uh, for Putin and the president of the Ukraine, God, we just pray that they as rulers would come under uh, the lordship of the sovereign God. You are a sovereign king, Lord of all, and so God, we cry out to you right now to ask for your intervention um, in our earth, Jesus. We love you. We're thankful that we can partner with them in prayer this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, Really, I, I, what I want to talk about today, we're kind of in between two series here, if you will. Um, we just finished up our Body and Blood series where we were talking about communion, and we're about to kick off a series where we're going to really talk about uh, what it looks like as the church, as the saints, uh, the people of God, to be equipped and to be ready to do the work that God has for us, to do the mission of God in the context of where God has already placed us. Um, and so before we do that, what we're going to do today is we're going to do just a little bit of a, a family update, if you will, family. The update. Um, now, you might be thinking to yourself, Who's, whose church is that? Like, that's a pretty church. It's really beautiful. And I, I, I would ask of you, just if, if you're not familiar with how our church should look from the road, go over to the garage on, on the southwest corner of the lot and then look back east. And that is what you'll see, you know, the couple trees. And it's really unfortunate that it just got flipped uh, the other way. Uh, it's a long story. Don't have time to get into it today. But I still think that's a cool picture. Um, if, you, if you were to really just uh, cut me open at my core or really unpack what my values are, what drives me as a human being, the way I think, the way that I prepare, the way that I dream, the way that I plan, um, if you were to really get into the innermost part of who I am, um, I am somebody who knows that I have been saved dramatically by grace. Uh, because of Jesus, I have been saved. I've been brought into new life. Um, and, and I also know that I, he makes a great king for my life. And I make a pretty lousy king for my own life. Um, those two statements, what, what happens there is it creates an immediate gap in how I know that I ought to live and how that I actually really do live. And so most of my effort is really spent endeavoring to, to be more like Jesus, to kind of close this gap between who he calls me to be, who he sees that I could be in him and who I really am just when I'm you know, left to my own me, <laughs> Right. And that's true for all of us in the room. Like all of us pretty much think that way. Most of you think that way. Maybe you're just still kind of exploring matters of faith and you're not quite sure of that. But that I would say that is what makes me a Christian. You know what I mean? I, I have submitted myself to the Lordship of Christ and I'm going, God, would you make me into all that you would have me be? Uh, but, but the layer beneath that uh, would be, um, and this came up, I, I was doing what you probably shouldn't do, what you're at least told not to do when you're at lunch with friends, right? Is, uh, I was talking politics. Right. And as soon as I say that, probably there's part of you just because ah no, don't go there. And you just tense up. But I was talking politics and and we disagreed uh, pretty, pretty distinctly on a lot of the different issues that we were going kind of through and discussing. And and really, if you were to kind of peel me back a layer beneath, just like, man, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a Jesus fanatic. I want to be like him. I want to worship him. I want to love him. I'm going to make him known in this world. If you peel it back underneath that one more layer, what it really is, too, is. I was talking to this guy and realized that we were so different politically, but I realized in the conversation, uh, actually, it's interesting, we want the same things. In a lot of ways, we want the same things, uh, but you want to use a different method of getting there. See, I think that the church is the best method to deliver on everything that you want to see delivered through your political mechanisms. So that was maybe our main difference. And here's, here's what I mean by that. I think the local church um, is the hope of the world. I think the local, and here's, let me nuance that just a little bit, because um, you've maybe heard that said before, and you maybe are going, yes, okay, I believe in this, uh, but what, what I believe is that the kingdom of God is going gonna, is gonna to be demonstrated through the people of God or is going to be ushered in through the people of God, and the most specific and contextualized way that happens, I think, is through the local church. So Jesus is the hope of the world, and the way the hope of the world arrives to the world that we're living in is through the church. And so that is just, man, if you want to know what I'm about, I'm, I am on Team Local Church. That's why I can get up here and I can talk about Dave Orison at Chapel the Interlude and his eight sons and how crazy that must be. And I love it. And we like, we are church loving people here. This is not the only church in Loveland, Colorado. It's not the only good church in Loveland, Colorado. There are some amazing churches here. And that's why we can also um, sit and we can spend time praying for the church globally. And there's something that is special and profound. It gets us in the fight that they're in right now. It gets us feeling we can provide the air support, if you will, by just praying for them consistently day and night. We should be lifting them up in prayer all over the world. That, that, is, that is an amazing thing to be a part of. And I, I believe that, uh, that the local church, like the best thing for any given city is a healthy and thriving church. So, I mean, you just, however big the city, however small the town, the best thing that can possibly happen to that town is to have a healthy, thriving, robust Church in that community, that's the best. That's the best thing that you can put in any town. If you're, it's not just the nonprofit, it's not the five hundred one c three that exists in the community. um, But I think that the people of God who are coming to gather together, to worship Him, to make His name known, to gather and be uh, amongst one another, and to go and participate in the mission of God in the city they're living in. If you can do those things, that community, that group of people, that church is the best thing that can happen in any given city, in any given place in the world. All right. So that's, that's me. That's just kind of like my cards on the table for today. Cause you're like, what is, what are we talking about today? We're doing this bit of a family update. And what I want to also kind of weave into this, as we update you on some things that are happening in this house, I want to just draw you in, I guess, to a value that we've had here for a long, long time that we see church as family. We see church as family. And now like you can say, and I think it's said often, uh, Hey, church is a family. It's not a business right? And everyone's like, yes, amen. Amen to that, sir, pastor. Thank you for saying that. Amen. I agree. And uh, it's true. I do think the church is more like a family than it is like a business. There are business aspects to what we do here as a church. Like, Like the 501c3 thing is real. We are a nonprofit and we have different things that have to happen within that. We have employees that we pay and all of that stuff goes into it. But more than that, I hope we're known as a family, as a family. All of us are part of the Good Shepherd family. And if you're not, if you're a visitor here today, I just want to kind of lay before you that uh, this might not be the most interesting message for you to hear. And I'm sorry. But as I talk about some things that are going on in our family, here's what I would ask is that I would ask that you would consider and ask God if this is maybe a family that you should be a part of. Because it is God's design for your life that you are a part of a church family. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we can make the argument, we've talked about it over the last several weeks going back all the way through Exodus, that God's vision for his people is to save them from the sin that they're living in, save them into his kingdom. And he doesn't just save us individually, he saves us to a people. So I mean, you go back to Exodus where God says right at the foot of Mount Sinai, these are gonna be my people who I'm gonna know by name. Like these are my people, my people. God's will for your life is that you would be saved, not just individually, but into a people, right? And the beautiful, beautiful thing about the church is that we are, we are caught up in this story that uh, uh, was written before us. So we're not just saved into the church of 2022, although like that is specifically where God has us today, but we are part of the narrative that God's been writing for the last several thousand years. And that, that is an anchoring thing for you to realize, You will not be so swept up by new doctrine. You won't be so uh, bought into the cultural lies and arguments that are happening in our day if you find yourself rooted in a story that goes back thousands of years. So if we can see ourselves and if we can have this value that, no, I'm part of the church historic, that's going to keep me planted on something that's stronger than just like, well, here's how I'm feeling about this idea today, which is a lot of how our culture operates at this point. You know what I mean? So it's not just the cult, the church of the past. One of the things that compels me more than anything else is that I know that we are tied right now to the church of the future. So the things that we do in this room week in and week out are tied to what the next generation is going to inherit one day. And that, that's a beautiful thing to keep in the forefront of our minds that the decisions and the things that we teach on and the, and the people that we raise up and train up, that's gonna impact the church of the future, Right? And so as beautiful as that is to realize that, man, we're connected to this whole global movement of people following Jesus that's happened for thousands of years, will continue to happen until Jesus comes back again one day. That's, that's pivotal for you to know. That is an anchoring narrative for you to find yourself in. It's also important that you know that God's vision is not just for you to be swept up into this meta-narrative, this global church movement, but that he wants you to participate in something that's happening locally. So uh, for example, uh, one of the ways that we can make this argument, it's all over the New Testament. It's not even that hard to make, but there are 59 one another's written to the New Testament believers in just the New Testament. 59 times there are encouragements uh, to love one another. There are commands to instruct one another, to greet one another, to serve, to honor, to encourage. 59 different one another's given to the church so that they might do some things. And here, here's what's beautiful. Um, we can't one another one another unless we are close with one another. <laughs> Do you get that? So, so we can't execute on, we can't action on the one another's with one another um, if we're not in relationship with one another. Uh, so here's, here's just, this is why I don't think uh, virtual church will ever work in the long run. Because how, how can you one another one another if we're just, you know, Skyping with one another? Like it just doesn't, it doesn't go the same. That's why I think the, the, the gathering where we're called out, meeting together, seeing each other, uh, talking with, seeing each other's face, getting to know what's going on behind just you know what we're presenting, this persona we're presenting, that, that is a critical part of being part of the church. God's design is for you to exist in a local church, not just to be swept up. To be spiritual, but not be participating in a church is a foreign concept to your Bible. It's a completely foreign concept to your Bible. Ephesians chapter 2, I could have gone a lot of different places. In Romans and in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about the church uh, being, we are members of a body. Like we think, we can think of ourselves as parts of a body, all joined together to our head, which is Christ. Um, in, in Acts, in a couple of places, we are described as the flock of God. Here in Ephesians, Paul writes this, he says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. So for everyone who has, has given their life to Christ... What the Bible would paint this picture for you is that you've been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. That you were not just once a bad person, now you're a good person. You were once spiritually dead, and now you're alive. And now you're no longer just, you're no longer a stranger or an alien, but you are a fellow citizen with the saints and members of the household of God. Members of the household. Let me put it this way. Part of the family. God's picture for your life is to be part of a church family where you are known, where you you go to a place where God is worshiped, where the word of God is exalted, where you are participating and compelled to to do the things that, that the mission of God would have you participating in. Like we can just, we can break it down so very simply. A church is a place where people are gathered together and they worship God, they study God, and they start to do the things that God wants them to do. Right. And in Ephesians chapter four, we're going to talk about this more in the coming weeks. um, We see that like the purpose of really the church of the of the grouping that is the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That that all of us would hopefully one day, and this is what the next like eight weeks is going to be all about, is us, every single one of us, seeing ourselves having a specific role to play in the kingdom of God. That there are no spectators who get to just watch as other people do their ministry, but that God's vision for you and for me is so that we would be equipped to do the work that God has us to do. So that's, what we're, that's where we're going the next several weeks. Uh, but like I said, today's a bit of a family update. I just want to paint this picture that God's design for you is to be a part of a church family. To be a part of a church family. And, and uh, we say this all the time. We love our church family. We're, think we're, we think we're a pretty awesome church family. I know John says this every time in step one when he goes through it. Like, we, we love our church family. Uh, and we also know this. We're not a perfect church family. Right? It's Charles Spurgeon who says, uh, if you're going to just keep looking for a perfect church, you're never going to find one because as soon as you join it, it's not going to be perfect anymore. <laughs> so if you're kind of reluctant to get in with a church family because you're going like, oh, I just don't want to mess it up, I'd say, man, just join the mess. Join the mess. It's just, okay, never mind. I don't have time to rant on that. Anyways, um, I, I, want to, I want to unpack just a few things that are happening uh, in our church body um, because there's some updates that I think some of you guys are maybe even waiting on. Um, and then we'll just get into some of the details, specific things that are going on around here. But really um, my, my invitation is that if you don't see yourself as part of this family, I would love for you just to consider, um, if not here, then where? If not here, then where? Where are you gonna jump in with the church family? Um, so uh, back in September, we did this giving, this building offering call that we just simply called Here to Stay. It was a series where we just kind of laid before you some of the updates and projects that our church needed. Um, our church was, was, um, was a bit dated in not just some technology aspects that needed to change, like our sound system, our projectors, um, but also just some of the aesthetic of the building, I guess is what you could say. Like It just it looked like it was still kind of in the 1981 timeframe that it was built in. And so we wanted to just kind of put some fresh life because uh, felt stirred up and compelled. Like, we're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. This church is here to stay. Like, come what may in the culture that's going on around us, this church is going to continue to be here. And so, we want to be in a space that we can continue to be in, right? And so, I, we just kind of laid before you some of the projects. Um, I think we have some of the projects that we have on slides here. This main auditorium. Um, and if you look around, it's like pretty much done. We've got a few. I mean, how, how about this floor? Just got installed this week. Believe it or not, like it wasn't our long-term vision to have the two-tone epoxy in wood. I know that was bothering a lot of you. Um, so here you go. This is our gift to you. This is done. Um, but if you just look through the auditorium list project here, can you go back to that real quick, Jen? Um, all that stuff is done with the exception of our sound system. And I know I've given updates on this a couple of different times. I'm like, it's coming in January, mid-February. Now it is for sure, for sure coming March 7th. So we have one more weekend and then they will come literally right after that Sunday service next weekend and they'll begin doing the install for our sound system. Uh, Part of the delay was that we had to get a structural engineer in here and figure out what kind of weight was rated to fly speakers up here, Um, which the structural, I'll just be honest with you, the structural engineer was a real bummer of a guy to talk with, Um, but at the end of the day, we both wanted the same thing again, right? Like we both wanted the building not to fall in on itself, right? So I don't even know if you can tell, there's now a steel beam like right above my head. And I was like, yeah, please secure that sucker tight. You know, (laughs) he was like, I don't want it to fall on everybody if it falls. And I was like, it's not going to fall on everybody. It's going to fall on me. Like it's maybe the front row here, but it's like right up there. Um, So that had to get done. We have to do some also some structural support uh, up inside this soffit that's above me uh, so that our air conditioner can sit on the roof right there. There's an air conditioner. Air conditioner has been purchased It is in the supply chain wait, and it is scheduled to come and be installed and be operational first week of June. Is that not good timing or what? Some of you who have only been here for winter, you're like, I don't get what the big deal is. And if you've been here for summer, man, you know, right? You know. So with the exception of those couple things, uh, these projects in here are just about done. Uh, The good news too, we said our overall budget for this room was right around $850,000 and we are staying pretty much right on that budget. We'll have to see what the final costs end up coming back with the air conditioner, but we should stay right on track with that budget, which is amazing. If you go to the next few projects that we had ironed out, we had this hallway that we were going to kind of do some uh, redesign as far as the the ceiling in there, open it up so that we could see our second floor right away. And the other aspect of this was making, uh, making it easier for a fire sprinkler system to come into the building one day, because that is one of the things that is keeping us from not having the building up to code. So the hallway was a project, is a project. Uh, Coming up also would be the kids' classrooms. Um, If you have kids in our pre-K rooms, you you just know that those rooms have a certain kind of smell. uh, That's not just so, it's not so inviting to guests and to new first-time people uh, when it smells that way. Uh, Not only that, but it just needed some refreshing. And so those are the projects, uh, 75K per room that we choose to do. And then the last one would have been our youth room. Um, If you haven't been in our youth room, It doesn't look like that right now. (laughs) Let me just say that. Uh, So opening that up uh, as well. And so uh, basically back in September, just laid this in front of the congregation a few times. Uh, We really said, hey, uh, we don't wanna wanna undertake any debt in this project. Um, We're not gonna do some red thermometer that we go on stage until we have the 1.5 million bucks raised that we need for this. We just laid it before you and said, hey, if if you've got money, you wanna give it, go ahead. And uh, you all gave about over, over 200 people, 200 distinct giving units, some, uh, one household would count as a giving unit, uh, gave, we had over 200 that participated and gave just right at half a million dollars, which is amazing. Amazing. Half a million dollars um, that was given by all of you. Uh, and then with, if you take that with the uh, resources that the trustees had already uh, designated to, to come out of our savings account, um, that and, and the money that we're putting on the budget this year for building improvements, all that puts us at an overall budget of right at a million dollars. So that's something that's exciting is that we haven't even used up all that money yet. And what we're in the process of doing right now is we are, we are evaluating the cost of a fire sprinkler system because the city was all for us doing this improvement and getting it permitted. They were not as excited about the hallway. <laughs> and so um, they're, they're probably not going to allow us to do the hallway without pulling a permit. Uh, They may let us do some of the kids' classrooms. So we are kind of, we're getting quotes for the fire sprinkler system for the building as we look at what the cost would be of doing the youth room and the kids' rooms because those are more, uh, more simple updates. They aren't as structural as that hallway one out there. Does that kind of make sense? So it is all very much in process, but the good news is, there, is still, there are still resources to allocate and to use, and so we will just keep punching through that list as we can. And I'm just so humbled, and off, it's so great to be able to participate with all of you in making these things happen, because this church, uh, it's, it's going to hopefully just be here for a long, 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 long time. Amen? Even though I went right out of here to stay to Exodus, like John made fun of me for doing that, um, that wasn't meant to be like some, you know, sleight of hand trick I was doing, just really wanted to read the book of Exodus with you all. So um, I wanted to give just also a quick kind of snapshot of our budget breakdown. So again, if you're not part of the church family, um, we, we don't really mind talking about money here. We want to be pretty transparent in the way that we talk about money here. Um, just so you kind of are aware, our 2022 budget is a $1.14 million budget. And, um, A third of that, so about $100,000, just over $100,000 is allocated towards some of the building updates that we're doing. But that's roughly how our uh, budget breaks down. 55% goes to staff costs. That includes salaries and insurance and uh, 401k, stuff like that. All of those benefits, everything costs about 55%. Um, Outreach. Here's one of the things I love about our church is that 14% of everything that we are given at any moment goes out of the building, out of the building. Most of that goes towards global outreach. Uh, That number is sitting around 10-11%. And then uh, the other 2-3% to goes towards local outreach, things here in this community. 25% is to operations, uh, which again, one third of that $100,000 is dedicated towards the building this year. And 6% of that goes just towards ministry expenses. So what, what it costs to run the worship ministry, the student ministry, the next gen ministry, our group stuff, all that totals about 6%. And, uh, yeah, the reason that the staffing costs is, is maybe a little bit higher than what the ministry, I mean, you could, you could pull like Taylor into the student's budget if you wanted to, to show, but we, we really believe that people build the best ministry, not necessarily pizza and Pop-Tarts. If that makes sense? Do you know what I mean? Uh, I, I think pizza and Pop-Tarts help with ministry. Absolutely. Amen. Right, buddy. Um, but really people, people, pastors build the best ministries. And so that's why we invest in people. And that's just a quick look at our budget. Um, The other thing that I wanted to talk about, not just here to stay, um, I just wanted to give you the update that the sound system is in fact coming and that we are evaluating what the most logical next steps are in this project. And so just kind of making sure you're all aware of that. Um, If you still uh, want to participate in that, you didn't get a chance to, you, you needed to wait a year or whatever, uh, just so you know, that that's still on our website. You can check out more info and, and participate in any way that you want to at gschurch.info on our website, and you can see, click on the tile there and get into it. Um, the other thing that we have going on, and this was announced just a couple weeks ago, we have a couple staffing changes that are happening. Um, so the first one um, is, is more sad. It's that Tim Tim Wadham, our facilities guy, fell off a ladder. I'm sure many of you have heard that. He fell off a ladder actually right back here doing some stuff. He fractured his pelvis. Um, he just recently had surgery on his pelvis. The surgery went great. He is recovering well at home, but that is going to be a lengthy recovery. He's going to be out for probably about 12 weeks. And so um, we have hired Damon Green. I don't see him sitting in here. Must be in the kids ministry or something like that. Damon Green is coming on and he's doing some cleaning for us and helping keep this place looking as nice as Tim kept it when he was here um, or trying. Tim really is one of a kind. He's a hard guy to replace for sure. Um, But Damon is doing a great job and we love having him as part of the crew helping out. but we are, we are kind of waiting to see what Tim's recovery time looks like. And also, um, people have been asking, when can we bring a meal? When can we bring a meal? And I said to Tim and Sheree the other day, I was like, hey, listen, just so you know, I, I'm holding back the floodgates of food from you guys. Um, so when you say the word, it's just, it's just going to dump on you. And you just got to be ready, maybe buy another freezer or something like that. So um, yeah, but they are recovering well at home. Actually, you know what? She would be so mad if I was saying this, but it's Sheree Wadham's birthday today. Today, right now, Today. So go go, uh, give her a happy birthday or, you know, give her a $20 handshake or something like that when you see her. Um, She wouldn't be sad. Maybe she would. I don't know. I don't know. She's never asked me for that. I just thought, who wouldn't want to get that on their birthday? You know what I mean? Okay. Anyways. Um, the other staffing update that we have, uh, and this was given just a couple weeks ago is that John and Annie, uh, actually felt this tug, felt this call during the fast that it was going to be time for his employment to, to be done here at Good Shepherd Church. And, uh, that was a big surprise to us, a big surprise, I'm sure to you all, and, and a big surprise to you. (laughs) And, um, so John, John and Annie, uh, we're praying blessing over them. Uh, just so you kind of know how we've evaluated some timeline, Uh, John is going to be on staff fully for the month of March. He's going to be around helping us kind of transition this. Uh, And we don't know quite what it's going to transition into, how we're going to uh, handle his position. The two main things that John was carrying was staff development, on the one hand, kind of HR and staff development. And then on the other hand, he was doing a lot of financial uh, oversight and accountability for us. So those are roles that we will need to fill. uh, And we're just prayerfully considering the next steps in that, but we're thankful to have you. Uh, John's committed to transitioning this well. We're committed to transitioning this well. And it is all, it all is all going well. I mean, we're in good dialogue. They're still going to be hanging out, teaching next steps. So we can't quite get rid of him all the way, you know, Uh, but they'll be around doing things. You'll see them. And, but that's a big change for us as a church family. First time. I mean, this is just kind of a weird thing that I think some of us were grieving and acknowledging is it's first time a Hummel hasn't been on staff in, in 40 years, probably. I mean, gosh, it's been a long time. So we love them and I love you, buddy, and excited to see what God has next for you and excited to see that God, if God is calling him into something and God has something for him, that also means that God has something for us as well as a church, right? And so we can take peace and have hope in that and excitement. Those are the couple staffing updates that are going on. Uh, The last thing that I wanna let you kind of uh, know of is we really do have some pretty needed spots on our serve team. So our serve team is our group of volunteers that help make the Sunday service and midweek things happen every single week. Uh, when I'm in a conversation with somebody and I'm trying not to reveal to them yet or right away that I'm a pastor, right? I don't know how it goes for you, but like when I'm, when I'm in a conversation with someone, the first couple natural progressions in the conversation is like, hey, my name's Austin. Hey, uh, uh, what do you do for a living? Right? And it's just, as soon as I say that I'm a pastor, the, the conversation just tilts and it's just completely different. You know what I mean? So sometimes they'll be like, ah, you know, uh, lead a nonprofit here in town locally. And we have several, we have really a couple hundred volunteers that serve in this nonprofit. And we have about a $1.1 million budget, and it's beautiful, you know? <laughs> Anyways, um, this really, like, the church happens if if just so that you know, like there's not, there's not just a couple baller people that are funding this whole thing, nor are there just a couple baller people that are making this whole thing happen every single weekend. People are consistently uh, giving their time and their talents and their giftedness and their resources to make this church happen, to participate in the vision for this church uh, on a weekly basis. And so, uh, banning leaps here, who's the pastor of Jesus Culture, Uh, he has this great talk. You could Google it at some point where he says, church is a a family, not a business. And he breaks it all the way down to kind of say, um, really the problem with a lot of the modern church, um, the the modern church backdropping that we kind of find ourselves sitting in is that we try to pretend like the gifts of the spirit found in the Bible uh, translate directly to modern church programming in America right? So here, here's how this breaks down. We go, man, you know what? Uh, it seems like you really have the gift of discernment, brother. Uh, you would be awesome on our security team, right? And so if you just kind of discern that you got to roast somebody one door, like that'd be great, you know? Um, or, or we say, man, you're just, you are just really hospitable and friendly. Would you, would you serve people donuts um, every other week? Like I, I just really feel like you would be exercising the giftedness of the spirit inside you if you just served donuts with a smile on your face to people on a Sunday morning right? And, and for some reason, we try so hard as the church to make the lists of the gifts of the Spirit, which every single person in here has giftedness by the Holy Spirit, right? And we try and say, hey, you can best use that by doing this kind of task on Sunday morning. And that's just, it's not, it's not really intellectually honest, isn't it? I think we all know that. And so Banding kind of says, hey, um, really church, it's kind of like your Thanksgiving meal, like everyone shows up and they kind of have their roles. At least this is, how, this is how it is at my house. Maybe this is how it is at your house. In Banning's message, again, if you look at it, this is definitely how it works in his house. Everyone just kind of has their dish or their thing that they do at Thanksgiving. Maybe it's the wrong time of year for Thanksgiving. It's Easter, right? I always, I always remember my uncle growing up, he always made the deviled eggs. He always made the deviled eggs at Easter. Hey, like somebody would always fry the turkey. Somebody would always bring this thing. Some, and it was just like, everyone kind of has their role. And that's how we can think of church is that everyone comes to the table with their role, with their gift that they're doing, uh, not necessarily because I'm just exercising my spiritual giftedness in a context. Like that's, that's given to you to help build the kingdom in the world that we're living in, not so that you can serve your church on a Sunday morning. But he says serving your church on a Sunday morning, it's still an important part, right? Like somebody's got to peel the potatoes at the end of the day. Someone has to. Before Thanksgiving meal, someone's got to peel potatoes. Um, so he says there's, there's three kinds of people that don't serve or that don't help um, at the Thanksgiving meal. Three kinds of people. There, there's the guest that you have with you, right? Some of you, uh, I know there's some of you in the room, you just have great hospitality and you just want to kind of fill up your Thanksgiving table no matter what. So you want to bring people in and sit people down. And so you just create this beautiful space. And if guests come, it's not like you're going to have them do the dishes at your own house, Right? So if guests, if you're a guest here, welcome, like, man, welcome. Just sit, eat a good meal, rest. Some of you are going through some things that really hurt. Heal a little bit. You know what I mean? Just be a guest and and just participate with us. Let our family serve you a little bit. He says the other kind of person that doesn't, that doesn't serve at the Thanksgiving meal are children. Our children. Um, you know, my, my kids we're in this zone right now, uh, where if we're preparing a meal or having a bunch of people at our house, uh, the message to my kids pretty much is like, Hey, stay out of the way. <laughs> like we just, we just clean this whole thing. And if you make it dirty again, uh, I will end you, you know, <laughs> like that's kind of what happens in my house right now. You know, um, now, now here, hear me. The expectation is that my kids will grow. And even as my kids have grown up a little bit, uh, you know, you start to give them these tasks, these kind of little things that they do and they participate. And I will say, uh, this cuts on two planes in the church because whether you are physically young, like we're not gonna expect the two and three-year-olds to take any part of the Sunday service and volunteer, right? Like they're just gonna, they're just gonna do their thing and we're gonna have all on Sundays and it's gonna be awesome. But for the most part, they're gonna be crying and just messing their pants somewhere else, right? <laughs> so, but, but then they also have spiritually young people And if you're spiritually young, maybe, man, this might be the most important room that you need to be in on Sunday morning. Although I'll challenge every single person with this. Um, You, you will grow the most in your spiritual walk when you start teaching somebody else what it means to be a Christian. So, so for me personally, that happened in the elementary room down the hall. I, I grew more than ever by sitting down and starting to actually teach the things that I was learning in big church in here, right? It's big church in here. But as soon as I got out of big church and I started teaching some of it down there, that's when I grew. So if you're young and you want to grow, I would, I would urge you to consider serving in some places because that's where you'll grow the most is when you get into some uncomfortable places. Um, I was reading this paper uh, put out by Barna. Barna is kind of the data beast in the, in the Christian world. And they said, uh, at this point, the youth of the church in America are walking away from the church after high school at a higher rate than ever before. So about two thirds of today's youth uh, are dropping out of church once they graduate high school. So whether that happens right away at 18 or later at 25, that window from about 18 to 25, two-thirds of our youth are walking away from the church. Now that's unacceptable, right, Taylor? Unacceptable. Unacceptable. The, uh, the one-third that are sticking, here's what they found. The one-third that are sticking in the church, there's three things that they have in common. Three things that they have in common. Uh, the first is that they know and can articulate the gospel. So they believe and can also articulate. It's a good practice, parents. Can your kids articulate the gospel fully? Do they leave parts out? Can you see places where they're missing? Can they articulate it? But they they believe it and they can say it. The second thing is they believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. They believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Um, Those first two things, I hate to break it to you. You can't control them. You can model the gospel to your kids. You can tell the gospel to your kids. You can't make them believe it. Amen? Some of you know that painfully. You can teach uh, you can teach your kids that the Bible's word of God. You can teach them how valuable it is in your own life. You can walk with a high respect and regard for the Bible. You can show them yourself with your Bible open, but you can't make them believe it, right? The third thing that all these kids have in common who stick in church um, after high school is that they are involved in church beyond just the Sunday morning gathering, right? And so, since I'm talking to the parents in the room, and we have a lot of youth that participate in a lot of different things. Since I'm talking to the parents in the room, the best way to get your kid involved in church, do you know how it is? For you yourself to be involved in church outside of just Sunday morning. Oops, was it? Was are not supposed to be like that up in your business this morning, you know? Like, if you want your kids to serve here, maybe you should serve here too. I'm just saying, what we model to our kids is, is what they're gonna ultimately end up believing or resenting. And so, so I would just beg you to consider, um, man, if you're, if you're coming to church consistently, and you're not serving, here's, here's what Banning says. The kind of people who don't serve in church or who don't serve at a Thanksgiving meal are, are um, guests, kids, and that, that uncle that's part of the family that should be doing something, but he's just sitting down drinking beer and watching football. <laughs> he's just consuming everything from the family that the family's putting on, but he's not participating in helping put it together. Uh, listen, I don't say this to be convicting. I say this to be encouraging that, man, um, we as a church, we have a few areas of need. We have a few areas of need. The biggest one is probably in our next-gen environment. So in our preschool classrooms and with Garrick down the hall in our elementary room. Um, those, those numbers have doubled over the last year. The amount of kids that are coming every single Sunday has doubled over the last year, which is amazing, right? And I don't think they've tripped one of y'all older people yet, which is even more amazing. And I'm so happy about it every Sunday that it doesn't happen is they're all running around here if they're hopped up on, you know, whatever they're eating down there, fruit snacks and goldfish, right? Um, so those are, those are probably the areas. We need probably about a dozen people who are willing to serve two times a month in one service uh, to really get those places fully staffed. And for all of these, I'm just going to direct you to Robin's email. Robin P., she, she oversees our, our serve team. And so email her if you're interested in just even learning more, okay? I'm not, I'm not wanting you just to do something out of guilt because then you'll be the worst kind of volunteer. But if you're going to do something out of like this inward conviction that you can participate and you can contribute, uh, then you'll be one of the best kind of volunteers that we could have, okay? So if you want to help serve, I would just invite you to, to hit her up. Um, Dean Garrick, we need about a dozen people there. Um, communion, we are going to be doing communion twice as much as we were. So out of the communion series, we're doing uh, communion once a month coming into it. We're gonna be doing it twice a month for the rest of the year. And so as a result of that, we need a few more hands to help prepare and get ready the communion elements every Sunday uh, that we do that. So we need probably about four to five more volunteers in that area. Uh, We need some more greeters. Like if you just have a resting happy face. Now, you see how I did that there, right? Because some of y'all know the flip side of that. And, And I'm just saying, if you have a resting happy face, um, here's what we got to know. The, the first impression of your church starts in the parking lot. Did you know that? The first impers- impression that we as a church make on the community around us for visitors who are coming in here, the first impression is made in the parking lot. Not once they get in here. It's not the worship, actually. It's not my sermon. It starts in the parking lot. And from there, it starts with the people at the doors. So we need some more greeters who are happy and, and just ready to love on some people. And with Tim being out over the next 10 to 12 weeks, we need a couple more people who can come in early Sunday morning and help clean the place up uh, just a little bit, get some extra cleaning done on Sunday mornings. Those are the needs that we have. Um, and I just, I want to say, this is, again, it's not a perfect family. It's not a perfect family. Um, but it, God's plan for your life is to be a part of a church family somewhere. Quit looking for the perfect one and join one that you feel like lifts God up and is led by humble people. I mean, if you can just find those two things, I think you'll be doing well. And so if this could be a place where you would jump in and participate, great. If you're like, man, I wish there would have been a real sermon this week, there will be one next week. We're kicking off that series next week. I'd invite you to come back. I would invite you to come to Encounter Night this week. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be awesome. Um, Caden and his team always do a phenomenal job with Encounter Night. And so come and worship and uh, join. Oh, the power. That's going to get fixed hopefully in the next couple of weeks too. (laughs) You didn't, we didn't all just collectively blink really hard. You know what I mean? Like it, it did flicker there, but they're going to hopefully fix that in the next couple of weeks. Um, so encounter next steps. If you, if you want to know what it looks like to more officially join the family, jump into our Next Steps class. Even if you have no desire to really become a member, I would just encourage you to go through that class uh, and learn a little bit more about us as a church. And we love taking this room that's really big and really full and shrinking it down to just uh, a smaller group of people where we can get to know you and you can get to know us. Amen? Hey, would you stand and pray? Thank you for coming to our family update. You don't have to clap. That was, you know, yeah. Thank you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, um, thank you for our church family. Uh, we are not a perfect family, God, but we are a beautiful one. And you have done some amazing things here. And I just ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would continue to stir us up so we can press into everything that you have for us. God, I pray that our church family wouldn't be defined by what happens in this room, but would we be known in your city for what we do outwardly. Um, God, we love you and we want to see more of you, more of a move from you in our time, in our city uh, that we're living, God. Um, We are so in love with you and we thank you for today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. 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 Hey, God bless you guys. We love you. See you next week.